Hello, and welcome to another engaging episode of Cyber Speaks Live, the InfoSec podcast recorded in front of a live online audience, giving you, the community, a voice that can be heard around the world. And now it's time for your host, Duncan Macklin. Hello, everyone. My name is Duncan Macklin. I am InfoSec War on Twitter, and this is yet another episode of Cyber Speaks Live. Today, we are going to be addressing the debate that seems to be going on within our community, and that's about education, certification, or experience, which matters most. Before we get into that, though, and I introduce you to our fabulous guest co-hosts that are joining us here today, a few weeks back, we decided to retire a opening segment that we had been running about the cyber breaches of the weeks prior. And you know, mostly because I found very little value. The, the events had already occurred maybe as far as a week previously. And I was just not up for the victim shaming any longer. So. I decided to take a different direction with the show and start talking about uh, cybersecurity or InfoSec-related charities or upcoming cybersecurity events that are occurring around the country and just try to be more positive, more com community-oriented and giving back, right? So with that in mind, this week, I want to talk about something that is not just a phenomenal grassroots effort that has blown up all around the world, but also to be able to uh, really talk to the heart of what a grassroots effort can have on those that participate and become part of it. And of course, I'm talking about B-side security events. It's so surprising to me today when I run into folks in cybersecurity, in InfoSec, that have yet to hear of B-Sides events. Now, folks, this started some 10, 20 years ago. Gosh, I, I don't remember the exact date, but it's been a number of years. And the B-Sides term meant, you know, just like the old album days, you know, the B-sides tracks were the ones on the opposite side of the album and they weren't necessarily going to be the number one hits, but they had to fill up the, the album anyhow, right? Well, B-sides kind of took that uh, nomenclature and used it for those that didn't get accepted to DEF CON, right? And they weren't going to be on the big stages, but they still had a talk that was well worth hearing. So they spun off the smaller thing in Vegas. And now from this grassroots efforts, there's not a continent, uh, except for Antarctica, of course, that doesn't have B-sides events being hosted in their states and in countries uh, uh, around those regions. And I got exposed to the B-Sides events for the first time living in Austin, Texas and San Antonio, Texas and being able to be part of those communities and it has really forever changed my life. 
uh, the friends and relationships and networking that takes place there. It's at such a deep level, folks. Uh, this isn't like what you're going to see at a RSA conference. It's not what you're going to find at a Microsoft Ignite conference where there's 25,000 people. You know, th this is, we're talking sometimes just a few dozen, maybe, you know, a couple hundred, depending on where you're at. But if you're trying to connect, if you want to make relationships, if you want to better your career in yourself and maybe take that first step towards you being the one stepping on stage and sharing what you've learned in your career and share it with others, B-Sides Events is a great way to be able to do that. So uh, for that, you know, just search out there in whatever region you happen to live in type in that closest major city and put in B-sides, the letter B, S-I-D-E-S, -E and that will help you find the B-sides events closest to you. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and get into the topic of today's conversation. Um, I, I guess let's just go ahead, ladies first, Juliana, Riahi, am I saying your surname correctly? Juliana Riahi, yes. Riahi, uh, mm -hmm. CEO of STT International. I don't like to put a lot of words into folks' mouth. Do you mind just taking a minute or two and telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm excited to do that. And thank you very much, Duncan, for having me on your show. I think you're doing an amazing service. It's always about being of service these days, right? Our own little small carbon footprint. So anyway, um, <laughs> just in the genre of, you know, experience versus certifications topic that we have today, just kind of wanted to share a little bit about my background. And I'll try to touch on some points that actually relate to the experiences people are having today in their space and how they're going to move forward in their careers. I actually have an international political degree from the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown, so I kind of started with that, uh, Russian studies and all of that stuff. So um, moving on from that, I didn't know what to do. I never had a job. So my dad was go go out and get a job. I was like, Dad, what's a job? <laughs> so I started my career actually training secretaries in a big room on IBM XDs with five and a quarter inch floppies. So I like to say, you know, I know there was a lot of women out there doing the same thing as I was, but and I met them. But I kind of feel like I was part of the original group, and I'm excited to be able to say that. I did training for 15 years. I was really, really good at it. I had my own training company. It was one of Microsoft's first training partners. I actually, just as a little side note, was subleased from them when they took off. Didn't buy enough stock. When I saw secretaries go on sabbatical one year, <laughs> I was like, where's Nancy? <laughs> so I was really in the trenches. And um, just kind of, you know, trained every day and again, had my own training company. I learned a lot from that. Just for all you people out there that don't have certifications and I never got one as a Microsoft trainer. I still rocked it, still had value, was happy to do it and did a good job. Moving on from there, always had my own company, you know, since I was pretty young, except when I first started training and just took off, had a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit there. And then I went on two small kids and kind of ran an infrastructure company, made it go from a, like a little shop of, for 
uh, legal secretaries turn into a technology solutions company for Microsoft, Microsoft partner and all that, kept that going on. And uh, given that, you know, just as a little side note, truth is crazier than fiction. My job, my uh, boss was Prince Abdullah of Jordan, I ended up selling the company when he became the king. <laughs> truth wow. fiction. Yeah, it was kind of a crazy story. But anyway, he's a great guy. So just kind of moved on from there, you know, did a lot of organizational change management over the years from mid to largest companies, even uh, small as well. And here's the interesting story that we can add here for all you future CISSPs. And uh, for those that are already CISSPs, congratulations. Um, you. <laughs> you know, I was there, I guess, um, Mark Thompson, who was part of the growth of ISC squared, who's now the director of ISSA, which I'll address just really briefly in a second. He was brought in there to bring business value to grow the brand globally, internationally. And then he brought me in around 2004 and we kicked it up another notch as we kept it, kicked it up another notch, you know, uh, if just as another footnote to all of you guys who want to know the same group of guys who started the issa in 1984 they actually started isc squared a year late um sorry a decade later um the brand again didn't really kick off even though they were future thinkers until later in the game um given that you know kind of worked helped build that brand was kind of in the trenches so i'll go from paper to uh, pen testing and then from on there, uh, as we know, adaptive testing. And just as a little footnote to all you guys who want to take the test, if you fail the first 10 questions, you might as well not go on because you're out, okay? Then they check you on the first 50 questions and if, by the way, they do adaptive from then on. If you did lousy in the first 50, you're definitely failed. And then beyond that, they do continual adaptive. Now, here's the, the thing, just as a footnote before we move on. Oh, should I stop? Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. let's try to say Keep that. Keep it to me. Okay, so my apologies. So anyway, just wrapping it up, you know, here today, you know, placing people, using my network, connecting people, connecting the dots. Absolutely. And there you go. You my apologies. I just can't help but share these little tidbits. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to come back to FYI. that. FYI. I just want to get a chance to introduce our other guest. Great. With the Sands Institute, you're up next, sir. Can you just share with us your background and a bit about Internet Storm Center? Johannes, you're muted. Let me unmute you, sir. Okay, I, I got unmuted here, sorry for that. Uh, but yeah, I was just going to comment. It's always hard to stop when you're excited about something. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is. But, but as a, as a um, cat herder, I've got to kind of maintain flow here. So good luck, Where's but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit about myself. Uh, I grew up in Germany originally, uh, Kenya, United States, like, uh, 30 years ago or something like that. Uh, kind of a little bit uh, dim on that far history. But anyway, I, uh, I got into information security about 20 years ago and really sort of more a little bit self-taught at that point. My education actually is all in physics. That's sort of where I started out with. And I would say it's sort of one of those superhero genesis stories that involved a physics lab, radiation, and uh, that's sort of how I got into information security eventually. Uh, started first as a hobby, a little bit de-shielded org, which sort of collected uh, firewall logs. 
then later joined SANS. Uh, this was around 2001 uh, when I joined SANS. And uh, there sort of folded what was the Shield.org and some efforts that SANS had into the Internet Storm Center. Uh, mm -hmm. Sense of is big in sort of trying to foster these community efforts and sort of that's uh, part of my job now. I always joke a little bit with Sense. I'm the guy that really spends all his time making no money for Sense. I'm just uh, you know, running in a storm center, running a podcast, uh, if you're familiar with that sort of uh, right. little five minute news summary each day. Uh, now. Of course, sometimes I have to earn my keep a little bit too for Sans. So I'm teaching some classes for them, uh, intrusion detection and the web application security class. On the certification side, uh, I'm running the GIAC Gold program. So a little bit of a unique facet of certifications that, uh, that GIAC is doing here with Sans. Um, also part of uh, the Sans Graduate School, Sans Technology Institute. And uh, they're responsible for the research part of it. Uh, okay. So. That's uh, very quickly about uh, where I'm from and you know, what I'm doing. Now actually here in Jacksonville, Florida is where I'm recording from today, so. Yeah, and I, uh, we were joking earlier, but I was actually very serious, you know, for those that are listening, if you're not familiar with Johannes Urich's uh, Internet Stormcast every day, uh, I'm one of those that, you know, as much as I talk about data privacy and protection and information security and all this stuff, you know, I do have an Alexa device. And the only person I have woken up to more than my own wife is Johannes Scherer because he is- <laughs> no, that, That's always very scary to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, you're part of my morning routine every day. I, I listen to the podcast. Uh, you're always providing some real breaking news as it occurs in our space. And if you're not subscribed to it, you really should be. If you're listening to this podcast, you need to be listening. Yeah, I always say it's supposed to make you sound smarter when you come into work. You know, then you get some <laughs> smart that, to say. That can great, make you necessarily smarter in five minutes, but it can make you sound smarter. <laughs> that's a great way to look at it. Absolutely. Okay, and you know, Johannes, I, I talked earlier, you know, anytime we have a new guest co-host on the show, we like to try to break the ice and help our audience get to know a little bit more about them. Uh, you know, stuff that we can't find out necessarily about you through our OSINT skills. So can you share with us just something that might be a little bit unique about you as an individual? Well, um, I don't know if anybody here uh, has seen a talk that I've given lately. Uh, over the last couple of years, one thing I did is to replace like the standard hacker in the hoodie picture and the user picture uh, in my talks with the hacker is always a cat uh, because everybody knows cats are evil. And <laughs> yes, they are. The, the good guy is always a dog. Uh, now, these are actually the pictures I'm using. They're actually my own dog, dog and cat and a half here. Uh, my dog is listening here in the background and because she's the best dog, of course. She's not going to bark all while we are on the, on the call. The cat, I have to keep her out of the office because she would probably knock off my water here or something like this. <laughs> uh, and do it on purpose. So those are my actual cat and dog here uh, from home. All right. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And, you know, finally, let's get to uh, our only three-peat guest co-host, the one and only Mr. Philip Wiley. Phil, welcome to the show yet again. Get started to become a regular here, man. 
Hi, Duncan. Good to be back on again. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So if you don't mind, just like the others, can you kind of encapsulate a little bit about your background? I mean, we know that you're an adjunct, adjunct professor for, I think it's Richland College up there in DFW. We know that you're the founder of the Pwn School Project. Uh, and uh, you're a red team lead for, I'm just going to call it a global consumer products company. But, you know, can you talk a little bit about the Pwn School Project, a little bit about yourself and, you know, that whole thing about the WWE? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting. You mentioned the wrestling thing uh, before I got into IT or any of that out of high school. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do for my, with my life or my, you know, in a career. So my friends recommended being a pro wrestler. So I did that for a few years and got married and got out of it. And I got into uh, IT through AutoCAD drafting. I was working as AutoCAD draftsman and found out about sysadmin work, got interested in that, moved into that and started my sysadmin career in 97 and then moved into security in 2004 eventually into AppSec and then pen testing. So this month I celebrate eight months, my eight month, I mean, eight year career as a pen tester. So it's been one area of security I've been really passionate about. I like to do a lot of mentoring and teaching and outside of uh, teaching ethical hacking and web app pen testing at Richland College, I also like to do webinars and mentor people trying to get into uh, the role as a penetration tester. It's kind of one of the one of my areas of expertise and I'm passionate to uh, share about. Absolutely. And that's of course why we've had you here on the show previously where, you know, we talked on one episode about the tribe of hackers red team edition book uh, that you're a co-author of along with dozens of others, each sharing their own insights into some of the questions being asked about you know, red teaming, penetration testing, physical pen testing, all those kinds of things. What got you into InfoSec, et cetera. So for those of you that are listening, if you're not familiar with the Tribe of Hackers series, I highly encourage this for your reading. Start with the Tribe of Hackers and then lead into, from there, lead into the Tribe of Hackers red team. Right now, there's also a security leaders edition that's just wrapping up editorial process go into print uh hopefully fairly soon and then we understand there's a blue team edition that is going to be forthcoming as well so look for those and uh, just loads of applause to all the co-authors and marcus carey who was our very first guest co-host on this podcast series for putting that together along with uh jen jen uh you know, so my hats off to them. All right, so let's just get to it, folks. Here it is, you know, education, certification, experience, which matters most. You know your guest co-host, you know what we're talking about. But, you know, I've seen this happen time and time again where the Twitterverse will occasionally flare up when we start to broach this topic in you know, whether or not one is more meaningful than the other, which has more value, which is going to lead to higher ranks and, and higher salaries and all this stuff. And, you know, 
it causes a lot of divisiveness. But you know, let's jump into it and let's talk about what it is. And uh, Juliana, I'm, I'm going to yes. let ladies lead off here again. Sure. But I'm going to put it out there, and I'm going to call a spade a spade and a shovel a shovel. Gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. Gatekeeping. Yeah. Does it exist? You've had to work, uh, or let me mm -hmm. just say, you've had to mow both sides of the fence. Absolutely. You've, you've had to work with the hiring managers. You've had to work mm -hmm. with the candidates looking right. for jobs at different stages of their career. Correct. What do you think? Does gatekeeping exist today in any of these three key areas? The, Absolutely, yeah. the degree, the certifications, mm -hmm. the number mm -hmm. of years of experience. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts? Well, I think that uh, though I'm a big fan of experience because quite frankly, you know, you need to have that to be a full CISSP anyway. So you got it, you know, you could do the test. I mean, you could pass the test to be an associate, but you still got to have the experience. So Let, let's take let's a, let's take ISE completely off the table. No, all right? no, I am. I'm just going to transition let's now just, from that immediately. I just mentioned CISS piece, so I get where you're going with this. Regardless, as far as gatekeeping is concerned, you're absolutely right. You've hit on an issue that is pretty serious in terms of introducing very experienced candidates uh, to uh, hires uh, to employers. So unfortunately, because of the internet and the way things is done electronically these days, you can present a candidate in any way you want. If they don't check the boxes, you've got a gatekeeper there that's not going to pass them on to the actual hiring manager. So I don't care how much the song and dance you're going to do. If the resume doesn't resonate, they always just look at the resume, no matter what you want to share, unless you already have the relationship with the employer and it's a phone call. So if you're trying to place someone in a job that's on a website, you definitely have gatekeepers going on there. And there's a devaluation these days of training current employees, and there's a devaluation of the value of training in general. So yes, you actually hit on a very sensitive issue. I deal with it every day. We try to work around it as much as we possible, develop relationships with the employers so they can oversee that. But it's a tough, it's a tough situation. So unless you have the right recruiter, the right support, the right mentor, the right situation, the right network, your resume could be seen a hundred times and nobody's going to engage you for a job. Good point. And you hit on one of the things right towards the end there that network. Folks, I cannot stress enough how valuable the network that you're building from the time you're in university, you should be establishing that network right there. Whether if it's through your sorority or fraternity or through on-campus groups, etc. But definitely within the business sector as well, you want to start attending networking events and business meetups and, and, you know, maybe certification study groups, those kinds of things. Start building that network. That network will carry you through the rest of your career. I have friends today that I've met 25 years ago when I first got into this industry, that we are still supporting one another, we are still helping each other, and we are still helping others that are in that same network mm -hmm. of friends and associates. So that is a very good point. 
I want to go back to something else that you were saying about gatekeeping and that sure. does exist, that it is it a does. reality. Absolutely. I, I will say that it not only does it exist, but it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be an individual that is gatekeeping you. It can be an automated system Correct. based off of what sits on your resume. Am I right or wrong that we have You're OCR absolutely scanning? Correct. You're absolutely correct. No matter what we do, it's about the resume, hands down. You're absolutely correct in that. And you're absolutely giving amazing advice about networks, long-term relationships, having a kind of a trifecta, trifecta of a group around you, work-life family balance. And then you also are on a career path and you've got to have those mentors. You've got to find a mentor. You've got to be a mentor. You've got to work that network, take a long-term relationship, make it work for you, because that can make the difference between you uh, moving forward in your career path versus being completely stagnant. So the net, you're giving the most amazing advice that you can to anybody, and that is hold on to the good eggs in your life, get rid of the rotten ones. And if you've got a good egg as a friend, hang on and help each other. Absolutely. Amen. Amen to that. Phil, I'm going Absolutely. to take you off mute because, you know, we've got such a vibrant uh, InfoSec hacker community sitting up there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You know, there's going to be a tremendous amount of networking that's going on there. But, you know, just based off of what Juliana and I have been talking about, what's your, what's your feedback, man? I mean, you're sitting in kind of the trifecta yourself because you are an educator. You are deeply experienced. And I'd like to think you have some certifications in your pocket. Uh, but more importantly, to some of these points that we've been talking about as far as what matters most, uh, that networking element, and what you're seeing going on up there in the DFW area of Texas, fill us in, brother. I mean, what's it like and what do you have to say on the subject? Yes, networking. That is a really important uh, thing for me. And I, each semester, any of the conferences I present at, workshops and stuff, I do always uh, tell the people attending to, to network. Your social network, your professional network, that's going to help you. My last three full-time jobs have been through networking ever since I joined Dallas Hackers Association back in 2013 when it started. All the jobs I've had since then have been through people that have referred me. And this is not even me actively looking for a job. This is someone pursuing me for a job. And also as well as like helping students out, I've had students get jobs because they're involved in the community as well as uh, <clears throat> I've had uh, recent grads that were from like some of the local universities. There was a University of North Texas student that was looking for an entry-level pen test job. And since I teach pen testing, I have people coming to me all the time looking for candidates and right. I recommended him and he was able to get a job. And the thing is, it's not just showing up. You've got to interact with people. You've got to talk. If you sit in the corner, you don't talk to anyone. No one's going to know what you're looking for, your skill sets, none of that. You got to make yourself vulnerable folks. Yep. You know, absolutely. If you're an introvert, that's okay. Still show up. And maybe this time, instead of looking at your own shoelaces while you're talking to them, you look at theirs. Okay. But at least show up, folks. Make the conversations. Make the introductions. And be part of the community. If you want to be a part of cybersecurity, if you want to be an InfoSec community, 
is what's going to keep you in this business. It's what's going to make you successful. It's what's going to help build your skills. But I'm going to challenge you to also give back. You know, those friends that I made 25 years ago, do you know why they're still friends today? Because they helped me get to where I am today. They set the foundations very early on in my career. They helped me develop before we had Google and all the other stuff with the internet. I was out there trying to be an SMS, you know, 1.2 admin and didn't know my ass from my elbow about it. But we helped each other <laughs> and we did it through a mail list. You know, that was the only thing that we had. And, you know, the one of the proudest things in my entire career was sending one email to that mail list that ended up turning into the SMS users conference with a hundred people at the first event. Three years later, it's the Microsoft management summit with thousands in attendance. Wow. You know, it, it's a community and it only takes one to affect a massive amount of change. It's that butterfly effect, you know, and I want to be the positive side of the butterfly effect. So, uh, Johannes, I want to talk about another element of gatekeeping. And I'm going to put you on the spot. And Juliana, I, I, I find ISC Square equally guilty. <laughs> so, I'm taking you. Uh, I'm taking you both to the woodshed here. I love it. Bring it on. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sitting here shaking my head because uh, I'm thinking through as many emails as I get from Sands Institute and from ISE Square talking about upcoming training and get in this course and get in that course and take this exam, mm -hmm. and then I sit there and. You know, not because I necessarily want to go sit in it, but I do it for the curiosity's sake. And I see five, six, seven, eight thousand dollar week long courses with as high as two thousand dollars to certify. What the hell is going on? Do you not see <laughs> this as a cost prohibitive gatekeeping of those underprivileged? under-resourced individuals that have the burning heart and desire. They got the fire in their belly and the spit in their eyes, but they can't afford to drop 10 grand for a week's worth of course and one certification to be able to get past those gatekeepers that are sitting in the HR departments or the hiring manager that doesn't necessarily know me from Adam. Why is it so expensive for SANS in ISE squared, when I can go sit in a Microsoft course for $1,000 for a week and 150 bucks for a certification. Why such disparity between the two? Uh, can I address that first? Do you no. mind, Johannes? Okay, no, okay. sure, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, All right. thanks ahead. a lot. So, you know what? Um, it goes back to your concept of networking, which also should, and mentoring and self-learning. Uh, there is no direct correlation between passing an actual course or exam, whether it's 3,000 or 8,000, whatever it is you're searching for, and passing the exam. Passing the exam or any exam of that sort not only requires experience, but it also requires being able to address situational issues and showing your experience 
and your understanding of making those choices. It's not a multiple choice situation anymore. So that said, there are other options. And this is where networking comes in again. You know, reaching out, having a mentor, somebody who's passed a test, somebody who's passed any certification, whatever it Absolutely. happens to be, is a really key part of being able to pass. In addition to that, you don't have to pay very, you can pay very little. You can actually download everything from the website. You And I am not with this company anymore in any way, shape or form. I'm talking just as a person that wants to help people on their career path and not spend a lot of money. You can search it, bring everything down, do the reference books, find out, you know, because actually this test comes from thousands of people all over the world who are actually constantly giving them feedback at what's going on in this space. If you join something like ISSA or whatever, which has chapters and you engage with people, like you said, you network, whatever it takes, besides whatever it's got going on, get out there, meet people who've done it, been there. That's going to help you pass the exam. You know, you, if you're a self learner and you have the experience, you can, and I'm a trainer. I mean, I've trained for years, so I was selling training like crazy and I was doing a good job. And I'm not saying mm -hmm. training doesn't have value, but if your employers put you by the wayside, doesn't value training, like we have a gentleman online, Dave Anderson, worked for 10 years. The guy didn't say, you don't need a certification. So then when he wants to move on, you know, he's got to put a lot of pocket and things like that. So you got to prepare in advance. This is where career path comes in. You can actually, if you're a self-learner, if you're dedicated, you make it part of your life, you can reach out, network, mentor, whatever, and you can actually move forward in your career. And by the way, as a little footnote, as a recruiter right now, you know, find the right recruiter who really cares about you as a person and where you want to go in your career. Doesn't care about just placing you on that job because it's not just about getting in a job. You spend so much time at a job during the day, you give your life to it. It's kind of like you got to buy new sheets because you're sleeping in a bed eight hours, hopefully. Regardless, back to the main point. Absolutely. I am now a believer of heavy networking, heavy support, giving back, being of service, sharing in any way I can so people can move forward in their life and people have financial restrictions and we got to help them out. So that's my take on it. All right. And yeah, just to uh, expand a little bit on this. Uh, so yes, no, I don't think if you're new in the field, uh, you just finished high school, uh, a $6,000 class, probably not what you should do next. Um, <laughs> It, it should come later in your career path. And what Juliana is also sort of hinting on here is, you know, get your employer involved in that. Uh, but regardless, you no know, SANS has plenty of low cost free options. There are hundreds of scholarships they're giving away every year, in particular to underprivileged uh, students and such. So, so there are options. If you're really burning to learn. Uh, there are plenty of options for you, uh, how, how you can accomplish this. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, and I now, agree, and I and, actually and have just, a close Just if you sort of compare the price, uh, for example, of our graduate program to any other uh, reasonable, uh, well-respected school, they're actually a lot cheaper. People have no problems dropping tens of thousands for a master's degree in basket weaving. <laughs> uh, but uh, True that. Then, they, then they're actually uh, complaining about our price. It's, it, it just costs some money to get you know, something like, you know, Ed Scoders, Heather Metallic in class because... Uh, we are competing too as SANS for their time with all the other things they could be doing uh, during that time. And uh, that's basically a special part. You get the practitioner, you get the well-respected expert in the field in class, and that just costs money. 
Well, I just want to address your point just really, really quick. And I'm just talking about making things happen in the short term for some people. You've got to get drilled down into the logistics. How much money do I have? Sometimes these people don't have the time or the money to, and again, I'm a fan of training. I'm a huge fan of education if it's a match for their life and this is what works for them. But there has to be another option because some people reach out and they're like, you know what? I got to figure this out in the next 30 days. They dropped my project, this and that happened. I got to find a job, you know, 30 days. So something has to happen on the short term. Training to me is a long-term career path option. It works great for a lot of people, a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of my education, international politics. It's going to talk the talk about that. But regardless, there's logistics. People calling up and say, hey, you know, I need a job. Okay, how am I going to get a job? All right, and so you've got to address logistics and you've got to address immediate needs. If that's not the case, Johannes is absolutely right. You know, education route is the best choice if it can fit within your plan and your budget. And if you want to sort of jumpstart your career a little bit, you know, low cost and relatively quickly, uh, Duncan was mentioning earlier B-Sites. Uh, I think there's nothing better you can do than give a talk at a B-Sites event. Yep. Uh, fairly easy to get accepted and uh, the, the audience, the crowd is usually not that tough on you. Uh, so uh, it's, it's, I think, a great starter opportunity to just show off what you know, uh, what person you are. Uh, also, like, you know, if you are more the introvert, uh, Duncan also mentioned, like, becoming involved online uh, in a mailing list. Uh, not on the heckling and the trolling site. Uh, that's a <laughs> very good way to get yourself kind of blacklisted in some ways where people don't want to talk to you. Uh, but right. if you give consistent, constructive advice and basically just show, show what you know. Uh, show that you care. That can really, yeah, show that you care. Uh, that can really jumpstart your career. And I don't know how many, mm -hmm. of, how often I've mm -hmm. seen uh, relationships mm -hmm. and opportunities evolve out mm -hmm. of that. Uh, Johannes, you're giving amazing advice. You know, I just wanted to shout out to you. I said, I think that's a great thing to do. That is great. You know, and I think there's also like domains out there, you know, again, the ISSA chapter was really cheap, $10 yeah. a month. You can find a chapter and then maybe your chapter is not making it happen, but you re reach out to somebody in Sweden. So now we've got remote, we've got internet, like look at us, we're on a podcast, we're all in different places. So reaching out, not just in person, which is ideal, you can reach out all over the world. You don't have to be talking to somebody in your own backyard. But your advice about B-Size, Great option, great advice from you and Duncan, super. Yeah, and the one thing that I wanna add on top of what Johannes was talking about with speaking at a B-Sides event, and you know, regardless of wherever you want to, first put your toe forward as far as speaking. Don't be afraid to ask some of the more experienced ones out there to mentor you and yeah. to help polish your your presentation look at your powerpoint deck do a dry run you know if you're out there and you want to present at a b-sides event in your local area and you can't find a mentor ask me i will be more than happy to set time aside go through your deck with you let you do a dry run we'll set up a zoom meeting just like we're doing here just you and i and be able to walk through it together and see where some of the areas for opportunity improvement may exist. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help, folks. That's what we do to help better this community, better InfoSec. And as a result, you know what's going to happen? Our nation's universities, 
corporations, small businesses, government agencies, you name it, are going to be better protected and independent as a result. And that's what this is all about. It's not about us. It's about the bigger mission. It's about protecting and defending our critical assets. And how do we do that best? We need folks in this industry with the skills, with the knowledge, with the passion. Like I said earlier, that fire in their belly and the spit in their eye. You know, we need you. But we need to remove some of the, these barriers of entry, some of the glass ceilings that exist, you know, uh, I think it was Charles, who's also been on the show before, uh, talking about the situation with ransomware and whatnot in Louisiana and stuff. Uh, you know, Charles mentioned that HR is their gatekeeper, you know, even for the hiring managers, because they want to see X, Y, and Z. You know, yeah. how to how do we change this mentality? You know, it's going to have to be by mass numbers saying enough is enough. Johannes, yeah, I, you have something think, to say? I don't think you'll necessarily change the mentality. You have to adapt somewhat. You know, both sides have to give here. Uh, I think Juliana mentioned earlier, so I've known the keywords. Um, every resume, in particular, if you're talking entry level and some mid-level jobs you're talking about is going through an automatic filter first. Uh, so it, it's not that hard to get the right keywords in your resume. And have someone look over your resume that's familiar with the back end HR process. I've yeah. seen so many resumes that really totally fail on that sense. And absolutely, uh, it's uh, you know even even hiring. It's uh, th that effort that I want to see people put into the process mm -hmm. from their end. Uh, we are mm -hmm. lucky with cybersecurity where it's really mm -hmm. not that terribly hard to find that mm -hmm. job. And you know, sometimes mm -hmm. you. You can make up a lot of stuff here mm -hmm. too, but um, <laughs> put in a, that minimum effort and put in that minimum effort. Mm -hmm. And I think it will really substantially increase your chances. Mm -hmm. Well, we talk about changing the world and I just want to jump in really quick. And, and you know, again, being humanitarians and what we're doing, mentoring and helping other people move forward in their life and be happy. After all, the pursuit of happiness is in our constitution. So let's help everybody be happy. I think that this is where a recruiter can play a role. And this is my mission, to be honest with you, is to go around the system because I'm reaching out of my network. I'm getting to these hiring managers and say, listen, you're doing this the wrong way. Because when I did organizational change management, you know, that was not the case. You could actually find that somebody had future talent, ability to learn, take classes, and then they would, you know, slowly grow into the job. So uh, you have to reach out to the network. I'm doing it right now as we speak. You know, a lot of people that are hiring and I'm re-educating them on the process and I'm saying, listen, you know, you've got to, to use a little bit more emotional intelligence, which as we know is serious these days. You've got to engage people that have that, engage people that can learn and not people necessarily that can check the boxes. So totally behind what you're saying. I'm so right. excited to be on this podcast and hear you gentlemen share my, the same feelings that I have. <laughs> so I, I want to, awesome. yeah, this is great. It's actually blowing my own mind, but let's leave these folks that are listening with some real tips and actionable insights. Let's talk about the resume. I mean, obviously this is mm -hmm. part of what's, and I'm going to try to stop using the word gatekeeping at this point. I think, okay. I think we've addressed it. But uh -huh. obviously, if 
the resume is part of the problem. What are some of the things that you folks are seeing? I, I know my opinions and I don't want to uh, sway you in a particular direction. I'm genuinely interested to hear what your thoughts are that folks really need to either start doing or stop doing or change the way they're doing it when it comes to their resumes for the year 2020. Well, I would love to jump in here and I hope I'm not over talking anybody or stopping you from talking. So, you know, cut me off if that's what you want to do. But, you know, and I see so many resumes every day. It's just crazy. Like when I do a search, I do a national search. I want to find the best talent for the position. So I might see like a thousand resumes. You know, I can keep, I can go faster through a resume than anybody. So, but I think the best kind of resumes is a hint to everybody is the following. First of all, this whole concept of don't share like from the beginning of your career is nonsense. People want to know like how you started, where you came from. So that's nonsense. First of all, the cover letter is passe. You know, forget the cover letter. What people want to know is a story. So instead of a cover letter, tell them a story. Stories just really resonate with a hiring manager. Tell them a story where you failed and went around it and succeeded. You know, tell them a story where you're adding value in areas that they don't know. They wanna hear story and experience. And that I find when I share it with the hiring manager makes the candidates stand out, okay? In addition to that, this whole nonsense of like, you know, making the resume is look kind of, you know, I don't know, not interesting to look at, no bullets and all that stuff. It can work on any media feed. That doesn't work, okay? <laughs> yeah. Forget that nonsense. You need bullets, you know? And at the very top, don't say too much at the top. You know, just keep it really simple. Like, say, you know, basically where you really stand out, you know? Just imagine you've got one minute with a hiring manager. What are you going to say, okay? Yeah, that's, that's what needs at the top of your resume. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think the, the elevator pitch there idea really sort of comes in because you don't really have that much time to look at it. Uh, what I would right. like to add to Juliana's stuff, what, what I like, no, no, I usually get, if I see a resume at all, I get it after the hiring managers or so. Uh, but uh, show some verifiable thing you did, like links mm -hmm. to GitHub repositories Absolutely. or things like this. Mm -hmm. uh, that's right. always a great thing. Maybe, you know, we talk about B-sides, maybe there's a recording of that B-sides or something like this. Uh, right. add a link, make it easy. Make it easy also for the person reading the resume to find it. So don't just say, hey, I did this project, add a link right. to the GitHub repository to, to make it easy to find. Uh, that, that would be sort of an addition to what uh, Juliana already said here. So I want to give Phil an opportunity to jump in here and share any insights he may have. Kind of sitting over there a little quiet, Phil. Let's, <laughs> let's hear from you on this one. Uh, one of the first things I'd like to, to would, would recommend as far as like resumes go, what you put in your resume, make sure you can speak to that. You actually understand it. If you put this on your resume yeah. and you only started it you, and you haven't really done much with it, hiring managers are going to look at your resume. They're going to ask you questions based on your resume. I see people all the time putting tools on there they have no experience with. And yep. one, one example is I had uh, was doing an interview at my former company with a potential pen tester and uh, he had put burp suite on his resume and he'd obviously hadn't worked with it. So mm -hmm. you definitely want to put stuff on there that you actually know how to do because whenever it comes time for your resume, that's going to be the guide for the questions that the interviewer is going to ask you. And also LinkedIn is great. Make sure your LinkedIn and your resume pretty mm -hmm. much mirror that on LinkedIn. You can put 
uh, links to any kind of conference videos you've done, any kind of papers you've written yeah. and that sort of stuff. So that's, uh, it is your online version of your resume. You're absolutely yes. right. And Phil, you hit on something that I'm going to, I'm going to give a real world example of, and that's if you put it on your resume, you better be able to back it up. <laughs> I, I used well. to, I used to print <laughs> off a hard copy of the resume as I was about to interview the candidate. I would pick up a pen take their resume and start circling keywords. And then that's what I focused on. But they watched me circle those words mm -hmm. and I would go as deep as they could possibly go. So you know, if you're going to put it awesome. on your resume, be able to back it up during an interview. You guys are doing such a great job of giving advice. You know, kudos to you. I'm really excited to be here to hear, you know, gentlemen with your expertise and background experience to share what I believe as well. You know, I really believe that you got to tell the truth, you know, yep. it is what it is. And if you, you know, I make sure that I'm dealing with a person that's truthful and ethical because I, that's it, you know, I move on because if something's on the resume that's false in any way, shape or form, you know, I get bit too. So, mm -hmm. you know, it better be right. It better be true. And you better be willing to talk about every single point. In addition, by the way, if people are interested in changing their resumes for a particular job, my advice to you is as follows. Look at the job description in detail. Do not cut and paste, but look at the job description, look at your resume, and maybe there's something in the job description that you've done that you forgot that you can kind of integrate into your resume so it does address, and the buzzword concept, which you guys have thrown out, because God, I love being with smarter people. <laughs> It's like you got the buzzwords going on. You're absolutely right. You get a buzzword from the job description. It's in your resume. They find it. They say, hey, you know, yep. it matches with the job description. So and, good and job, it, guys. It's key to being able to pass by that first gatekeeping absolutely. of the OCR absolutely. scanners of these HRIS systems yep. that are looking at all this. And they're going into everything even trying to do get this some of these san francisco bay type companies uh-huh um are actually using some unethical techniques of ocr with hris systems to be sure that the experience in your timeline and the year of your degree mm -hmm. acquisition uh kind of make sure that you're a millennial fit Mm -hmm. So well, a bit you, of age yeah. discrimination. So it mm -hmm. can get pretty deep. Now we're limited on time. I've got a ton of questions in the Q&A. I want to give each of you just a 30 second opportunity to share whatever tip trick uh, resource <laughs> you may have for our listeners. Juliana, we'll start with you. <laughs> I got so many tips. You blindsided me. You have 30 <laughs> seconds. I'm sorry. Okay, here we go, guys. All right. Reach out to your mentor. Reach out to me. You know, find a good person. Surround yourself with good people. Keep the network growing. Stay strong. Stay focused. Stay calm. Be a good person. You'll make it happen. Yeah. And Juliana is with STT Jobs. STT International, but you can yeah. find us on sttjobs.com. Absolutely. Yeah. We're all about the career path. There you go. Uh, yeah. Johannes. 
Yeah, I just want to pick up a question actually here. As I saw in a chat, whether or not the automatic filtering just happens for large companies or small companies as well. Happens for small companies too, because they usually hire some kind of recruiter or so to do the work for them. Uh, the only way you are going to sidestep that keyword filter, like to get the job without having a certification, is usually via a personal connection. So yep. keep those personal, personal connections going. Talk at B-Sides, join a mailing list, and uh, make yourself useful to the community. That's really probably the cheapest and quickest way to sort of move forward here. Great. Perfect point. Perfect point, Johannes. And before I forget, you know, we've been talking about B-Sides and B-Sides and B-Sides, but keep in mind, those B-Sides events are typically annually in your local area. So you may have to travel around if you want to hit more than one per year. Another option to check out is things like, hacker associations and hacker meetups in yeah. your local area uh use meetup you know i'm not a, a proponent i'm just saying that's an option for you to be able to find these kinds of things uh facebook i don't have a facebook i'm not a fan of it but if you're on there you might as well take advantage of it see if there's any facebook groups associated that will lead you to more in-person events uh, but definitely check out to see if you have a hacker association or a hacker meetup in your local area. In addition yeah, OVASP to- OVASP would be something. There are a lot of yep. local OVASP chapters and yep. uh, mm -hmm. IC Square InfraGuard. Right. So I know you're in Jacksonville, which is not a very big market. There are probably like a dozen different meetups like this each month. Yeah, so. Great. so your your local DEF CON groups. They yeah. have organizations mm -hmm. throughout the country and other countries as well. That's and a really Phil good place. Since you're on the mic, might as well close us off with tips, tricks, uh, any closing comments. Tell us about your pwn school. Whatever. Yeah, uh, I run a, a local meetup in the Dallas-Fort uh, Worth area. Also, I run a meeting in Dallas and Denton, Texas. But they're educational meetups based on uh, mainly ethical hacking topics. And we also stream our uh, presentations in our Dallas meetups. And we have a YouTube channel with that information on there. So we've got recorded sessions on there. Uh, but also to emphasize what Duncan said on Meetup, meetup.com is a really good place to look for meetups. And even another thing I recommend too is if you're, if you're scared to speak in public, uh, join a Toastmasters group. For me, I was terrified and couldn't speak in public until I went through Toastmasters. And now I'm presenting at conferences and doing all wow. sorts of things. And uh, so, yeah, that's one of the things that I highly recommend. And even speaking at different organization meetups, we had a guy in the local community recently graduated from college and he did a talk on malware analysis and a hiring manager for city city bank was there, heard his talk and uh, made him an offer. So yeah. just getting out there talking in the yeah. community thing, like we've mentioned several th times through this, this talk. Hey, so uh, absolutely, you know, Ralph in the chat is saying in Germany, hacker events are rare. Johannes, would you agree with that? Being a German, and, I'm sure you get back. Yeah, to I'm often. not really in the German community that much. Uh, like, you know, back when I was still in Germany, um, they had like the Chaos Computer Club uh, publishing an actual printed newsletter. Um, this was sort of pre-internet uh, dates, kind of. Uh, but uh, I think there are some OVASP groups that are quite active in Germany, so that may be something to look for. And you don't necessarily have to look for the hacker groups. Uh, look for, like, the developer groups, like you know, mm -hmm. you know, some agile groups or uh, whatever the, the framework of the day is. And 
um, and they often have kind of some security related discussions as well. So uh, it's at least sort of get your toes in there and get a little bit familiar with the community. And, and sometimes one leads to the other. At, at some, you know, jQuery meetup or whatever, you may meet someone that uh, says, hey, there's actually the security group that I'm also joining and uh, you can uh, sort of move on from there. All right. You know, Ralph, the other option is, and I hate to be so blunt, get off your ass and start one. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of just make it happen. All you know, right. Do it yourself, man. Put it out there. Even if it's only you and one other person in a coffee shop to start it, you know, sometimes that's enough. We just uh, sometimes got to put the best foot forward. I started the Houston Technology Happy Hour, our first meeting. We had 12 people. Within about three months, it was 150 people every month, and it went on for eight years. You know, sometimes you just got to start small and let it build organically. Use LinkedIn groups or something to help build that uh, awareness and attention to it. Uh, I want to get into the Q&A here. Carol, do you have any uh, specific ones. I, I know there's just a ton. And I know that I've had a reach out for several people. Do you want me to bring up a name or? Yeah, let's see if they're willing to open up. Yeah, and... I got a reach out from Todd Duncan's. I mean, Duchian. So. Okay. I, I don't know if you can see his name. Todd yeah. begins with a V. Yeah, I see it. It's trying to connect them via LinkedIn. I always send a note to. Regarding the pitches, apply for interesting. Hey, Todd, do you just want to come on and ask your question? Let's see. Gonna go ahead and open your mic. Todd, you are now allowed to talk, sir. Excellent, thanks so much for uh, allowing me to ask this question. My question is for Juliana, Juliana. How do you effectively and successfully go from full-time employment to building a pipeline of consulting work that's both a match and is maximum, I'm sorry, max, max, maxfully valued? Well, it's a great question, Todd, because a lot of people explore the consulting as an option because they've either, circumstances beyond their control, have to reach out, find work, get work and there's a little bit of a stigma if you put consulting on your resume, FYI, if you want full-time employment. So if you're really to jump into the game, you know what, make sure that you've got that network going on, that people are out there for you to help you support you because you're not gonna have time for a lot of business development. So make sure your network includes that, people that just bring in your business because the network already exists. That's a quick way to grow. In addition to that, you know, make sure uh, you've connected the dots in terms of you know, uh, engaging with people that you know are really good at what they do so that when you go out in the consulting world, you've got to stand out and say, hey, you know, I'm better than the people you can reach within your own company. I'm here to add value for you. So you've got to kind of sell that story. And that, of course, means through your network, bringing the best talent there. So back to, you know, the marketing and the sales, make sure you're connected to your network to get those sales and they're in the pipeline and you're not the one that has to do it on a daily basis because you will not have the time. Thank you for responding to that, Juliana. So, um, yeah. thank you. Does that fully answer your question, Todd? Yes, sir. Thank Absolutely. you so much. You're so welcome. So I'm looking at another pretty interesting 
comment here from Ian. Ian, you're still on. If you're willing to talk quickly about this cyberfasttrack.org uh, comment that you made, I'm interested in learning more about this and sharing it with the audience. So, Ian, you're allowed to talk now. And I think we... Ian, you there? Okay, I'm going to assume that he's not. But what he says here is that Cyber Fast Track captured the flag. Uh, he did it last year and won three GX certs, the GSEC, the GCIH, and uh, an elective. So if you're looking for SANS GX certs, he recommends that you participate. The address for that, I'll include it in the show notes as well, but it is cyber-fasttrack.org. Uh, and with that, folks, I know we're just loaded up with questions here. We'll try to get back to those who have asked that after the show, working with the most appropriate uh, resource from our panel here. So, I want to thank everybody for their participation. This has been just a fabulous episode. Phil, Johannes, Juliana, greatly appreciate it. Yeah, uh, thanks, everybody. Yeah. Let's Carol, make it happen. Let's make yeah. it happen. Like you said, Duncan, let's do it. Absolutely. So get Absolutely. in touch with Juliana if you need help with your resume, if you're looking for a job, if you're a hiring manager, she's here as well to be able to assist you with placement. Uh, <laughs> Just real quickly, Johannes, how can folks get in touch with you? Uh, easiest, uh, my email address. Uh, I'll just uh, post it to the um, to the chat part here. Uh, so it's just my first initial last name at sans.edu. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. Or uh, let me also include my Twitter. That's also another way to get in touch with me. All right, sounds great. And Phil, how can folks follow up with you if they'd have any questions about what's going on up there in DFW? Yeah, you can reach me through Twitter. I'm Philip Wiley. Is Philip Wiley is my my Twitter handle. You can reach me through LinkedIn, uh, as well as my email, which is philip.wiley at gmail.com. Excellent. Thank you. And Juliana. Yes. Send us out with a bang. Well, guys, you know, I think you can do it. I believe in you. And I've seen people do it with just a high school degree. It can, you can make it happen. Just network, connect with good people. We're here for you. We've given you great advice. Reach out. We're there. And how do they get in touch? Well, uh, with me, just go to sttjobs.com and I'm going to hang it out there and give you my direct number, 202 might not be right away, but I will respond as all of the people know that engage with me, I do it right away. There you go. And I'm Duncan Macklin, by the way, you can also do it as a high school dropout. I am living proof of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you I can, guess some college dropouts have done a pretty good job of making money. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I did go back and get the GED, did some college, but uh, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> all, all right, folks, I'm Duncan Macklin, InfoSec War on Twitter. This has been a fabulous episode with some great co-hosts. 
fabulous questions. Glad some of you were able to jump in there, become part of the show, and let your voice be heard around the world. So thank you. This is Cyberspeaks Live, and we are signing off, folks. Bye. Great job. Bye. Thanks all. Bye. Great job. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cyberspeaks Live. Remember to visit our blog at cyberspeaks.com to sign up for our newsletter of upcoming episodes and special guest co-hosts. If you'd like to be a guest co-host or sponsor the show, please email us at speakup at cyberspeaks.com. That's all for this week. And as always, stay safe and secure out there.